We come today to finish this fourth week of our series, Into the Unknown, in the story of Abraham, as we read this iconic story from the life of Abraham and also this story that is filled with all sorts of, uh, of, of hard things. In fact, I do want to uh, express to you that if, if you have really young kids in the room, this might not be the best sermon to, to be hearing or reading of uh, this story today, um, just because it contains some kind of some kind of graphic possibilities in it, uh, in the binding of Isaac. So I just want to express that to you before we, before we get into it today. Genesis 22. After these events, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. Abraham answered, I'm here. God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah. Offer him up as an entirely burned offering there on one of the mountains that I will show you. Abraham got up early in the morning, harnessed his donkey, and took two of his young men with him, together with his son Isaac. He split the wood for the entirely burned offering, set out, and went to the place God had described to him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place at a distance. Abraham said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will walk up there, worship, and then come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the entirely burned offering and laid it on his son Isaac. He took the fire and the knife in his hand, and the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father? Abraham said, I'm here, my son. Isaac said, here is the fire and the wood but where is the lamb for the entirely burned offering? Abraham said, the lamb for the entirely burned offering? God will see to it, my son. The two of them walked on together. They arrived at the place God had described to him. Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He tied up his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. But the Lord's messenger called out to Abraham from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, Abraham said, I'm here. The messenger said, don't stretch out your hand against the young man and don't do anything to him. I now know that you revere God and didn't hold back your son, your only son from me. Abraham looked up and saw a single ram caught up by its horns in the dense underbrush. Abraham went over, took the ram, and offered it as an entirely burned offering instead of his son. Abraham named that place, the Lord sees. That is the reason people say today, on this mountain, the Lord is seen. The Lord's messenger called out to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I give my word as the Lord that because you did this and didn't hold back your son, your only son, I will bless you richly and I will give you countless descendants, as many as the stars in the sky and as the grains of sand on the seashore. They will conquer their enemies' cities. All the nations of the earth will be blessed because of your descendants, because you obeyed me. After Abraham returned to the young men, they got up and went to Beersheba, where Abraham lived. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. 
Oh Lord, let the words of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, for you, O oh Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I could not sleep that Saturday morning in September 2009. So I walked outside and was pacing around the yard with a mix of the butterflies in my stomach and prayer. I must have walked around for an hour that morning, pondering. What would life be like from here on? As I walked back inside the house to get ready, I got that small box out from inside my drawer and secured it in my jacket pocket. It's safe. And I still had an hour before I would pick her up for the day that I would propose to my wife. Now, the day in many ways did not go perfectly. It was a rainy day, like most of the days were this week. The ring was burning a hole in my pocket as we changed our plans and didn't go to the beach first. But I did eventually get down on one knee on an empty beach at Wrightsville and asked Laura to marry me. Before I finished, she said, of course, and we had a wonderful day together. Now we could share the butterflies and excitement. I knew that she was going to say yes that day. I knew that perfect was not about capturing Instagram-ready moments. We didn't have Instagram back in 2009. I was nervous because I was about to venture into the unknown. I had not been engaged or married before, and now, from that moment on, I would be for the rest of my life. This was not a temporary decision. College choices and job decisions felt fleeting compared to the permanence of marriage. Looking back, I believe that my nervousness that day is good. Everyone getting married is entering into the unknown. Entering into marriage is a risk. It involves our hearts and trust and commitment and hope. When marriages go well, both people are equally risky and are trusting the other with their all. When this risk is mutual, marriage is a blessing beyond measure. Our scripture today clearly involves a story of risk. From the outset, this passage is troubling. It bothers me immensely that God is testing Abraham in this way. Literally, the entire story of Abraham has been leading up to this child of promise. This son of Abraham, Isaac, is the one through whom the covenant will begin being fulfilled. And God wants Abraham to take your son, your only son, the one whom you love, and sacrifice him on the altar? What type of bloodthirsty God is this? Who is God that God runs tests upon humans like this? This passage is not meant 
to give us a picture of who God is that is out of line with the rest of Scripture's picture of God. When you go through difficult trials and times, it is not always because God is testing you. The stories of Scripture and the experiences of everyone we know point to the reality that life on earth is not easy. Going through times of pandemic or seasons of depression or diagnoses of cancer or grief over lost pregnancy or loss of job or the waywardness of children, none of these things are God testing you. That is not the intent of the story of Abraham today. As scripture promises, God will work good through those things that we go through, even the most difficult things. But God does not cause all of those things to happen. God is not in the testing for loyalty business. And when you think that a decision or direction that you are going is contrary to how God would usually act, that does not mean that it is your Abraham moment and time to go act on it. For instance, God never instructs you to go cheat on your spouse. Lots of people have done lots of sinful things by justifying that God somehow spoke to them. Our experience of God speaking needs discernment. It needs to fall in line with what we know about God from Scripture and from our experience of how God has worked in the lives of people throughout time. So if this passage is not giving us a prescriptive understanding of how God always works, what can we learn from it? I believe this passage is meant to give us a picture of faithfulness. First, Abraham is faithful all throughout this story. Three times in this story, Abraham is called upon, and every time he responds with this singular Hebrew word that is translated, here I am. This does not simply mean yes or what's up. To say here I am is to put your whole self in service to the one you're addressing. In other words, here I am is faithfulness. Let's look at these three instances. First, God addresses Abraham to tell him the instructions. Abraham, Abraham answered, I'm here. Ultimately, Abraham's faithfulness is to God. That we understand in this passage. But then as they're on their way to make the sacrifice, Isaac calls to Abraham, says to him, my father, and Abraham responds, I'm here, my son. Abraham is available to his son wholeheartedly like any father reassuring his child. We aren't told the words between Isaac and Abraham in those moments as Abraham prepares to do the unthinkable. And then the Lord's messenger calls to Abraham twice. Abraham, Abraham. And, God, and Abraham responds once again, I'm here. 
Abraham is faithful once again to this call and grateful for sure to get it at the last moment. Abraham shows himself as an example of faithfulness to God, even in the hardest of circumstances. Abraham is faithful into whatever unknown. But what about God? What do we learn about God in this passage? God is faithful, even when we don't understand. Scholar Kathleen O'Connor says it like this, the biblical text, this biblical text, is not trying to present a full-blown theology. It is instead telling us one principal thing about God. God never abandoned the people. In this moment where Abraham is literally at the point where it seems like the covenant with God might be destroyed by God's own directive, God provides another way. God sees or provides in this moment when Abraham had to be wondering about the entire life and vocation that he had followed God into the unknown for. The people of Israel who looked back and remembered Abraham's story saw themselves in it. When they were exiled into Babylon and it seemed like the covenant with God was almost cut off, they could remember that God provided for Abraham even in that moment. And God would provide for them as well. God is ultimately faithful in this story. Abraham calls this mountain, the Lord provides or the Lord sees. Kathleen O'Connor writes, the mountain's new name reinforces trust and obedience in the God who provides amid impossible conditions and in the direst of circumstances. The place name and the story invite the ancient audience to trust God as Abraham did. For this God will provide for them too. Friends, faithfulness involves risk. Risk is always a part of faithfulness to God. We don't know what the entire pathway looks like in front of us. Oftentimes, we are just trying to discern and figure out what the next right thing is. And this next right step often involves a risk. Personally, we know this to be true. We decide to tithe. Maybe it is a new practice in our family's life and finances, and we do not know how we will live without that 10%. But story after story would say that people who make this decision find that God does, in fact, provide. Maybe we change our vocational track halfway through our career. We know God is calling us to make a difference in people's lives, and it flips how we work and think about work. Even when it is a scary and unknown proposition compared to the consistency of the paycheck that we have worked so hard for. Maybe we are called to devote time in retirement to serving, way more time than we had planned on. We thought we would be devoted to improving the golf game, 
and putting our feet up, but God has other plans for us. Friends of mine made a decision years ago to intentionally move into the adoption process for a special needs child. This alone is admirable, but they were doing it while they already cared for their own child with a high degree of special needs. They were taking risks that are so incredibly powerful and beautiful because they are faithful. God called and they listened. My wife, Laura, planned on getting a dual degree in social work while in divinity school. A convenient plan because I was never going to marry a pastor. But all along, God was calling her to ordained ministry. So she eventually had to take the risk and drop out of the social work program that she had been admitted into. She had to jump headlong into ministry. It's kind of like in all of our lives, at some point, God is standing there on the ledge like Aladdin in the Disney movie, and God is asking us, do you trust me? And we are deathly afraid of the risk. But then God says, then jump. And when we take that risk, it is faithful. Friends, as we are in this season of unknown, I do hope that we learn things that will transcend this time and connect to the whole of our life. For we think that we are in control way more than we usually are. As you find yourself into the unknown, may you take faithful risks and find that God is with you, even and especially in the unknown. Let us pray. God, I pray that you would help each and every one of us to have that sense of your calling to do something that is risky. God, not something stupid, but something risky. For some of us, we have taken steps like that, and we know that they are filled not only with fright, but also with the greatest thrill of following after you. So God, whatever it is for each one listening today, open our hearts and open those places in us that need that extra bit of courage to follow you into the unknown, wherever it is. For Christ's sake.